Welcome to my podcast, Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond. It's your host, Dr. Vignesh Devraj. And today, I have a very inspiring guest, Amandine Roche, who is a TEDx speaker. But more than that, her story of what she had gone through in the past years is something quite inspirational. It's something similar to what you read in books like Shantaram. And she is a human rights expert with the United Nations, and she has been participating with the United Nations to help 20 peace election processes around the world. And she's also, also participating in women empowerment programs around the world. And she gave a speech on TEDx called Inner Peacekeeping for Global Peacekeepers, which is watched by thousands of people on YouTube. If there is a possibility, you can watch this. This is a very inspiring speech for about 15 minutes. And she went through a lot of troubles because of her work and which got her to India and went through Ayurveda, yoga and meditation, which she says were one of the key aspects of her life that changed her whole mission. And I would love to get the insights of how meditation and being an Ayurveda and yoga expert helped her to come this far. And more than that, she taught meditation to so many people around the world, which we would think it is beyond the scope of our comfort zone. So, Amandine, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Thank you, Vinich. It's such an honor to be with you today. And Amandine, so I'm really curious about hearing your story and for all the listeners to hearing your story from how you went to Afghanistan and how the changes that happened later when you came to India and how Ayurveda helped you and also how meditation and yoga was a part of your healing process. Yes, definitely. So where do you want me to start, Vinesh? We would love to. Uh, let's jump into the most interesting part, which is your story with the United Nations and being in Afghanistan. And oh, when you yes. So um, all started at the age of 18 when uh, I met His Holiness Badai Lama at my University of Law in south of France, in Bordeaux. And he spoke about the violation of human rights in Tibet and the non-violence resistance of a Tibetan. And I found it very fascinating. You know, sometimes in life, when you, you, you go to a conference and you feel so inspired, but you mm -hmm. say, this is what I want to do in my life. Yes. And after this conference, I say, okay, this is my path. This is, like, it, it ignites the inner fire within me. It put me on fire. In the sense, I say, I was born for that. I want to become a human rights lawyer. I want to join the United Nations and bring back the Dalai Lama to Tibet, if possible. <laughs> wow. That's the aha <laughs> moment. Yeah, aha moment, exactly. And so I took a plane and I went to Dharamsala in Mashal Pradesh in 1998. And I went to the Dalai Lama temple, meet the Dalai Lama again. I went to a public audience with the Dalai Lama. And I was so impressed. I remember when he shook my hand and looked into my eyes, I felt like it was a laser seeing my soul kind of. And uh, I felt like uh, I want to be a part of this uh, mission in the sense, bringing more peace and compassion and love in life. And during the night, I met a dream about the youngest political prisoner in the world, the Panchen Lama, because I saw a poster in mm -hmm. the Dalai Lama temple. Mm -hmm. And in my dream, the Dalai Lama was telling me, go back to France and investigate about it. Mm -hmm. And so a few days after, I went back to France and I went to study political science and I decided to investigate about this kidnapping. And I realized that Panchen Lama was a key authority in the Tibetan Buddhism because he was the one able to see the reincarnation of the, of the next Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. So if he got kidnapped by Chinese, means there will be no more mm -hmm. Dalai Lama, you know. So it was very interesting. I did a lot of investigation on that. And um, so I wrote my political science thesis on the Panchen Lama and relationship, uh, relationship between um, uh, t uh, Tibet and China and I have a best mark and I joined a master degrees in international relations and when I joined my master degrees at the end we have to do six months internship with United Nations mm -hmm. and at the same time I was fascinated by a Swiss adventurer called Ella Maillard 
she used to travel in India. She spent a lot of time in Tirumala Valai with Sri Ramana Ramanashi. And she was in Afghanistan, in Tibet. And I love all her book. And I contacted her and she gave me an appointment. Mm -hmm. And she died just before meeting her for an interview. And she was 94 years old. And I decided to meet her another way, take all her book, all her picture, and go back in all the country where she used to travel mm -hmm. in order for me to meet her another way. So I have to do my internship and I, and I received many uh, sponsorship grants to go on the footsteps of this woman, Swiss adventurer Ella Maya. Mm -hmm. So I started to do um, an internship in Uzbekistan, working on the well-being of a youth in Uzbekistan. Mm -hmm. And I finished my internship in Tajikistan, and so I started to be on the footsteps of Elamaya. And while I was doing my internship, all it was in 2000 and 2001, when all the Taliban were going north of Afghanistan, pushing the population to go to Tajikistan to find refuge. So my director asked me to come and help the refugees. And it was my first encounter with Afghan and Afghan refugees. And literally, I, I fell in love with them. I felt like this is the people I was looking for. They are so generous, so hospitable, like a, like a, a lord, you know, the way they dress and the way they behave. Like, I felt like completely from another world, kind of. And also, you know, I'm all about human rights and women empowerment. And I felt like this is the place I want to, to, to visit. And so I stopped my internship and I went on the footstep of Elamaya. I took my backpack and I decided to start my trip first Uzbekistan, Tajikistan in Central Asia, then Kyrgyzstan, Taklamakan Desert in Shikian, all Pakistan and Afghanistan. And when I arrived in Pakistan, I applied to go to Afghanistan. And when I applied to go to Afghanistan, it was end of August 2001. And when I I applied to the Taliban to have a visa. The, the deputy minister of the Taliban said, but why are you applying? You're already Afghan. And I said, what do you mean I'm already Afghan? I'm French. And he said, but your name, your name is Amanuddin Khash. And I said, what do you mean Amanuddin Khash? He said, Aman means peace, security. Jin means religion. Khash, joy. Amanuddin Khash means happy protector of peace. Wow. I'll send you to Afghanistan. You will be a memon or honor guest of Afghanistan. We will, you will be under our protection. And I feel very honored by that. And uh, I realized that, yes, there was something going on. And indeed, there was something going on because I arrived in Kabul September 11, 2001. And uh, with my friend, we drove from Peshawar to Kabul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was on the footsteps of Elamaya, so I traveled in other country. But finally, we received a message that we need to leave quickly the country because Americans are going to bomb Afghanistan. So we fled with all the population by car. And at the border, the border was closed. We couldn't go back. So we have to negotiate to go back. I asked the Pakistani car to open the gate. And when he open the gate. I mean, he couldn't open the gate because the Taliban didn't want to release us. So we finally got exchanged by the Taliban because one of the Taliban jumped on the, on the landline and he wanted to go to the closest hospital, which was in Peshawar. But when I got released to finally be able to go back to Pakistan, I was a small girl who understood that I have a chance to leave Afghanistan before American bombing. And she jumped on me and she put her nail in my arms and she beg me, Peshawar, Peshawar, like bring me to uh, Pakistan with you because she showed me the sky. She was so scared of American bombing. And I put it on my car and my friend, she said, what are you doing? And I said, well, she, she wants to flee Afghanistan like us. She said, yeah, but are you going to adopt this girl afterward? I mean, what are you going to do? I said, well, I don't know. She said, you cannot take her. Maybe she's got parents and a family. So I have to say goodbye to her. And I say goodbye and she cry. And when I arrive in Peshawar, for four nine every night at 4 a.m i wake up doing a nightmare and the face of his small afghan refugee came to me and asked me why you didn't save my life oh. and i realized that um, i was becoming crazy like she was literally haunting me 
-hmm. and I didn't know what to do mm -hmm. with her. And uh, I asked my friend, please help me. I feel like I'm hunting. She said, write her a letter. And I took my piece of paper and I said, my small Afghan barefoot princess, mm -hmm. I'm very sorry. I couldn't save you. Mm -hmm. I couldn't adopt you. But I promise I will come back. And I will come back to help your brother and sister to live in a peaceful country. And it was like a public commitment because I wrote a book and he's in the book. But yes, after Tibet, I'm going to commit myself from Afghanistan, very clear. And um, so I followed my trip. I went afterward to Calcutta. I spent time in uh, Mother Teresa mm -hmm. Center. I went to Nepal. Tibet, China, I took the Trans-Siberian, went to Ukraine, Poland, Germany, Switzerland, came back to France, and published a book on the, on the footstep of Elamaya. But I really wanted to come back to Afghanistan. So I motivate all my friends to drive back from Paris to Kabul. So we were 10 cars, two motorbikes, and we drove Paris to Kabul in 2003 for almost two months. And uh, we arrived in Kabul September 2003, and immediately after, I joined United Nations. And I joined United Nations, becoming the head of civic education program in Kabul. And my job was to um, raise, uh, doing consciousness program to explain to the population what is human right, what is democracy, what is a constitution, what is an election, and why this should be part of the democratic process. So we were doing door-to-door -door campaign, explaining to the woman, it's time to become a leader. You can become a civic educator, or we can help you to do your electoral campaign to become a deputy and senator. And it was an amazing job. I love my job so much. And like I, I was putting women on fire, kind of. And I, I, I really enjoy them taking the lead. And unfortunately, after a year and a half, after receiving so many death threats from Taliban as well, because of course they didn't like what we were doing, bringing democracy, three of my international colleagues got kidnapped in front of my office. And United Nations decided to send me back to France just in case I was also being kidnapped. And so when I came back to France, a publisher came to me and said, could you write a book about what was your life in Afghanistan? And I say, sure. And I gave a deadline. I put even more pressure on myself, but my belly become like a three months woman pregnant. And so my friends say, oh, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I say, well, no, I'm not, but I don't know what's going on. So I went to see a doctor and I did a biopsy. And when I did a biopsy, we saw that it was like cancerous cell because of all the stress I accumulated. So he gave me the option to take some chemo pill just to prevent uh, a spread, you know, on the cancer cell. And I freak out because I say, what did I do with myself? I mean, not 30 years old. I'm already have a stomach cancer. I mean, like I really freak out. And so I went to the south of France in Marseille, close by the beach, mm -hmm. right to, to write my book. And I took my bicycle and one day I passed by the street, the Paradise Street called Rue du Paradis in French. And I passed by it and there was a shop and it was with an Ayurveda healer. And I opened the door and he was a very wise and very nice Indian from Kerala. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he said, what can I do for you? And I said, you know what? look at my belly he said oh congratulations you're pregnant I said I'm not that's a problem and so he put his hand on my belly and he looked at me and he said oh my gosh where have you been I said why and literally he was like taking out of my belly with his finger he said I can see polder of cannon I can see uh, kidnapping assassination death threat where have you been you were not in France where have you been and I couldn't believe him because I say, how does he know? You know, he was psychic, like a big third eye open. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I was in Afghanistan. He said, oh my gosh, this is why you have been a vacuum cleaner of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. You are a sponge. You are an empath. So I need three months of your time to do kind of a panchakarma 
where mm -hmm. you come every day and I give you uh, oil massage mm -hmm. and herbs to drink and, and yeah, every day. Do you accept to, to play the game and do it? I say, well, of course, because I'm not feeling okay. I have so much pain in my stomach and I, I don't want to have a cancer. So he said, no worries, you will not have a cancer if you play your game and you come every single day for three months. I said, that's perfect. That's the time I need to write my book. So every day I was coming and he was massaging me and I recover. No more pregnant belly. And, uh, and I received a call from United Nations sending back to Afghanistan. And he said, oh, no, you don't go back to Afghanistan now. You want to come back after six months in the same, <laughs> same state? I say, what do you mean? Say, I don't know, you, you cannot go back to a war zone. You mm -hmm. need to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. I say, but what do you mean? He say, uh, you need to learn how to meditate. Mm. I say, why? He said, well, because it's a way to protect yourself and not take things so personally as you were doing before as a sponge, believing you are a sponge. Mm -hmm. You should do tonglen, like everything goes through you, but doesn't stay within yourself. It's mm. like you inhale and exhale. Because of a problem now, you inhale and everything gets stuck within your belly mm. and you cannot digest it anymore. It's mm. like it's an indigestion. Mm. And I say, oh, wow. And he say, yeah, please promise me you will learn how to meditate. So instead of going back to Bamiyan in Afghanistan, which I was really wanted to go, I decided to go to, back to Dharamsala. Mm -hmm. And I went back to Dharamsala and I decided to actually... Meet His Holiness the Dalai Lama again, but not because of a human rights uh, hat is wearing, but more on the spiritual hat is wearing as a spiritual leader of Tibet mm. and more for his Buddhist teaching. So I rent a house close by his temple and every single day at 6 a.m. going, it was during winter, I remember, very, very cold. With a, <laughs> I was with my blanket coming with my headset just listening to the Dalai Lama teaching. And it was fascinating. I remember it was a um, Bodhisattva way of life at this time. He was teaching about that. And I was listening to the teaching and he said at some point, you cannot bring outer peace if you don't focus on your inner peace. Mm. And when he said that, it resonated so deep within myself that I realized Oh my gosh, he's so right. Who I am to work for United Nations, who I am to work for peace in the world, if I'm completely broken inside, if I have cancer, if I'm burnout, if I have post-traumatic stress disorder, if I'm depressed, if I'm anxious, well, I should better fix myself. And when I'm fully at peace, I will consider to go back and work with UN and to bring more peace into this world. So instead of going back to Afghanistan, I decided to settle down in, in Dharamsala and go on deep, deep yoga meditation retreat. I did Vipassana. I met Goenka. Mm -hmm. Goenka Ji, at this time he was still alive. I met him in uh, Igatpuri and I met him uh, in his pagoda outside Mumbai. Mm -hmm. And it was such an inspiration. Vipassana changed my life because I discovered my monkey mind, who was always jumping in the past, always jumping in the future, and I wanted to be here and now. And when I did Vipassana, I realized that this is exactly what I was looking for, my inner peace. Because let me tell you something, Vinesh, for 11 days, I mean, 10 days, not a single time I was here and now. I was always thinking about my pain, my suffering, my trauma of the past, or I was dreaming about the future, but I couldn't really make it here and now. Only the last day, when at the end Goenka say, you do a meta meditation, and he says he's going to put some balm of love in the, the head, and, and I felt like a pure blessing, and I feel like a diver going deep, 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 deep within myself, but I feel so at peace, so at bliss, so at joy, but I didn't want to come back. And uh, I remember at the end, the, the organizer came to see me and said, oh, it's over, you should leave now. I said, I don't want to go back to the world. I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am right now. 
Mm -hmm. so yes but the class is over and and so i went out and i saw life completely with another filter mm. i feel purified from inside i feel like it was a shower of bliss and i found my inner peace and i say well you know what everybody should find this inner peace i found my growl i found what i was looking for all my life and I was so excited that, yes, I accepted to work with United Nations in Timor, in Bhutan, and in Congo, and, and, and in Sudan, and in Kenya, in Rwanda, in all Africa, and South America on short-term mission. But I knew I have this amazing tool, which is a tool of meditation. And this is what I wanted to spread with the world, because I have this big, big, awakening and life change experience in this Vipassana center in Dharamsala. It was Dharam, Dharamkot. And um, so guess what? So I took my backpack and I went all around India to meet the spiritual master who teach inner peace and non-violence. Mm -hmm. So I spent time with the Kamapa, with Dai Lama, with Goenka. I spent time also in uh, Mar Marashra, mm -hmm. uh, with, um, in Warda, in Gandhi Ashram. To meet all the Gandhian. So I took the vows of non-violence, which is I don't kill. So I become a vegetarian. I'm not going to eat any meat, any fish. I don't lie. I don't take any intoxicant. I don't steal. And I don't have sexual misconduct. And it's a vow to keep my peace of mind, my inner peace. And I spend a lot of time with Ama in her ashram in Kerala, mm -hmm. in Amrita Puri. And I have to say, she's the real incarnation of a divine feminine. And after all this year in Afghanistan, I needed some uh, healing feminine vibes. And she's one of the best healers I ever met with her darshan, you know, when mm -hmm. she hugs you. Yes. And she really reconnects you to your higher self. And she heals and cleans all your chakra and wake up your kundalini. And um, I love her so much that I decided to follow her all around the world, and which I did. And she gave me an in Indian name. My name is Kirti. It's my, it's Kirti is my Indian name from Ama. And she gave me a mantra. Kirti, she's a, one of the wife of Krishna. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, that's it. And when I finally find my peace of mind after my trip all around India, United Nations called me back to go to Afghanistan. And it was in 2009, and uh, I was hesitating because the security situation was much, much worse. And uh, I say, I'm not sure. But I call my Afghan friends and colleagues and say, oh, yes, you started the democratic process with United Nations. You should better come back and finish what you initiated. Because otherwise, if you don't believe in it, how come you want us to believe in it? And say, so, is it right? And I decided to come back. And when I came back, United Nations came to pick me up with an uh, armed vehicle, security officer. They gave me my, my, my bullet uh, jacket and uh, proof bullet jacket and my helmet. And they drove me to the UN guest house. And the UN guest house, before I was staying in a beautiful fort, you know, and, uh, and, and, and with my friend, but now, no, 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 it was mandatory for me to stay in this UN guest house. And um, with 42 of my colleagues, and honestly, it was like a bunker with Barbegrai, and I was not feeling comfortable when I visited, and I felt like I'm so connected to my body. Mm -hmm. And I said to the security officer, I'm very sorry, but I don't feel it. I mm -hmm. just don't feel it. I have anxiety attack, mm -hmm. panic attack in this guest house. Mm -hmm. I don't feel it. It's good for me to stay. He said, you, if it's mandatory, you are UN staff, you have to stay. And I realized, Okay, uh, I'm going to write a disclosure that it's my own security if I'm staying somewhere else. And thanks God I follow my inner guidance because six months after, at 5 a.m., three Taliban disguised as a policeman came to the guest house and assassinate six of my colleagues during the night. And the 40 other one have to jump out of a roof and save their life. So. When I went back and I did work on civic education again, my friends say, you change. When there is bombing outside, you don't freak out as before. What happened to you? I say, well, I have my spiritual practice now. I'm doing yoga meditation every single day because in India, I become a yoga meditation teacher. 
says, so, oh, really? Could you teach us? So I started to teach. And I realized all my colleagues were having PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and my Afghan colleague asked me to teach, and I started to teach. And I, and I listened to their story of trauma. I said, wait a minute. All the population is under PTSD. 25 mm. years of war, of course. They have been damaged as much as I've been damaged. And so, yes, of course, they can benefit of yoga meditation because it's one of the best tools to reconnect mind, body, and spirit. So I started to teach in my house every single day at 6 a.m. And they were coming. And more I was listening to their story, more I realized that it's time for me to spread yoga meditation in Afghanistan. I went to speak with the Minister of Health. She was the former head of, I mean, working with UNICEF, I guess, in Kenya. And she said, yes, Amandine, you're right. Mental health should be number one priority in Afghanistan. But the international community doesn't consider that it's a priority. So yes, if you want to bring yoga meditation, go for it. So I went to see the Minister of Defense and I said, please, can I go to Polishari Jail, which is a jail of all the Taliban. I said, I want to teach them meditation. And he said, what is meditation? So I started to teach to the Minister of Defense meditation. And he said, wow, that's amazing. Could you teach that to my wife? Because she's full of anger. So if you manage to convert my wife, I will give you the key of a jail of Polishari. So I said, okay, let's make the deal. So I met her wife, I teach meditation, and I was allowed to go to Polishari jail where we were teaching meditation. And I have to say it was also another tipping point in my life where I felt like, that's amazing. I'm really touching to something very deep because no matter your gender, no matter your nationality, no matter your religion, everybody is looking for peace. Everybody wants to have access to this inner peace. Everybody wants love, joy, bliss, harmony, compassion in their life. And so I decided actually to teach that to the Taliban. And, uh, and of course, same result for uh, one of the commander, Taliban commander, love it so much that he asked me to teach to his daughter i mean all his kids and uh, and i and i was so surprised because i say how come you you you, you were a fighter a mujahideen fighter and you kill also a lot of people and i say yes but my daughter she's bullied in school because her father is a criminal and i want that she has a beautiful image of her father so i want that she's discovering meditation as well because it's um it's, it's, a, it's a way that she can see that a father can be a good man. And uh, I realized that redemption is a key. And uh, yes, no matter your past, today is a new day. Today is a new beginning. And you can start here and now. And I realized that if I can teach yoga meditation to the Taliban, I can teach also, of course, to the women in shelters and to the orphans and to the kids in school. So I created the Ahmadadin Foundation. Uh -huh. Because I met again my friend Raula, the one who invited me in Afghanistan in 2001. And he was back from Norway and he opened this beautiful school, Tosh of Light School, for all the kids of the Taliban. And he said, why not you come and teach? So I went to teach yoga meditation to all the kids in Tosh of Light School. And they love it. But one day, uh, the father... Taliban father came to the school and was looking for Amanuddin because his daughter said that I'm teaching yoga meditation and he said that I'm bringing Hinduism and Buddhism to the kids and doing proselytism which of course you know is not true mm -hmm. I mean yes we do yoga meditation in India but it doesn't mean that it's only Hinduism and Buddhism and I'm not talking about Krishna or Buddha or Ganesh or Shiva. No, I'm talking about monkey mind. I'm teaching about emotion and feeling. But it was a shortcut for him. Mm -hmm. So uh, my friend told me that never come back to the school to teach because he came, the guy came with a Kalashnikov. So he was very serious oh about it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I went to Nepal afterward and I did my job on uh, civic education, women empowerment, spent a lot of time and I... Adopted, a, I mean, I sponsor a small street kids, which I really love because he was an orphan and he was sniffing glue. So I managed to bring him to a school to an amazing woman 
And the center is called the NAG. You can check online. She's amazing. And mm -hmm. um, Nicole is her name. And, um, and finally, I I've been called back to Afghanistan. And in 2014, I went back to organize and monitor the presidential election. Mm. And you know, Vinesh, a friend of mine, a journalist war correspondent friend of mine told me, in life, when you spend too much time in a war zone or conflict zone, at some point, you will see, of course, random people dying. And at some point, you will see your friend dying. And mm -hmm. at some point, it will be your turn. It's like the, the Russian roulette. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember he told me that in 2002, mm -hmm. and we were in 2014, and indeed, I exposed myself spending so much time in Afghanistan. And... In March 2014, I didn't know, but I felt like it was my time to die in Afghanistan because every single day I avoid death. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to go too much in detail, but one day a dear friend of mine, diplomat from Uruguay, invited me for a dinner mm -hmm. at the at the Serena Hotel. And thanks God, my bodyguard refused me to go because it was during Novruz, mm -hmm. New Year, Afghan New Year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't go, but a few hours after, my bodyguard said, watch BBC, and the Serena was under attack, and my dear friend got assassinated. And um, after we went to Jalalabad with my colleague to monitor election in Jalalabad, and uh, one night, uh, received, uh, my, the bodyguard received a call from the American ambassador saying, we intercept Taliban conversation. They want to blast your guest house. It was called Taj Mahal. Taj Mahal guest house, mm -hmm. and uh, you should better leave right now. And so we fled during the night, and um, we end up in a in a military camp, and we flew a black chopper to Kabul. Mm -hmm. And the day after, we went to monitor election in a polling center. And because I'm very intuitive, thanks to all my practice, and I can feel the vibration. When I came to the polling center, I really felt that on my left side, something was very not okay. And it was an official uh, polling station officer. She was, I mean, she, but looking more like a man because she, <laughs> uh, under a bracket, I mean, like, uh, was as tall as me and I'm, I'm six feet. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty tall. And, and, and with a black scarf, like very not looking like a real woman. Mm -hmm. and, and not walking, just waiting. And I asked, I did my inner guidance. I asked myself what this person is doing. And I heard, it's a, it's a suicide bomber. Wow. And, and when I, I, received a, I received this message, even I couldn't believe my eyes, but when I received this inner guidance, I ran away. You know, it's called amygdala hijack, which mm -hmm. means when you disconnect mm. and you go on your reptilian brain, either you freeze, either you fight, or either you, you flee. <laughs> and I and I literally run away, and uh, so my bodyguard ran after me and asked him what's going on. And I said, "Well, I think there is something very scary." And um, and he went to see, and he said, "Oh yes, be careful, pretty intense character." And so I went back to do my job, and and I was I couldn't stay inside. I was just like, and so I, I ran away again. And my inner guidance was saying, "No, no, no, no. It's time to take put into practice what you learned for all these years." You go back and you smile at him. Like it was not at her, it was at him, like mm -hmm. literally. Mm -hmm. It was a man disguised as a woman. And, and, uh, and, and I realized, no, no, I just cannot do that. It's like, it requires so much courage. Okay, I can be courageous, but I just cannot do that. So I'm, I, more I was running, more my inner guidance said, you have to go right now, right now. And, and, and I, I said, wait a minute, who is talking to me right now? <laughs> Obviously, it's not Amandine, so I feel it's a divine guidance. So I say, okay, I have to obey to this divine guidance, because if a divine guidance is guiding me, means I will be protected. So I went back to the polling station and I went close by this guy, and I was shaking, trembling, like really. I guess in my life is the most courageous act I did in my life, and um, I went to see him, and he was not looking at me. He was full under on intoxicant i get i understood he took drug to mm -hmm. not feel that he's going to blow himself up and kill 300 women which is were waiting outside the polling station 
And so I look at him and I look and smile and finally he look at me and this is where I saw all the hell and darkness in his eye. Like really, I never saw such a low, low frequency vibration. I mean, like it was hell on earth. And I smile at him and surprisingly he smiled at me. And, and um, I took, he took out the jacket, the official jacket, which of course was a fake jacket. I don't know where he managed to find one. And he left the center. And he opened the door in the middle of a 300 Afghan woman. And I scream, I say, be careful, he's going to blow himself up, which I couldn't say that in Dari of Pashto because I don't speak the language. But I wanted to prevent this woman from a bombing, kind of. And nothing happened, and he never come back. But after what I say, I'm done, you know, I'm done. And uh, I decided to shut down my NGO, the, the school is still operating. And I went to California because I went to California because in Amma Ashram, I met this amazing guy called Gopi Kalail. Mm -hmm. And he works at, at uh, Google in Mountain View. Mm -hmm. And he was very kind because he said that I should fundraise uh, for my NGO in Afghanistan at Google, which we did. And I met him in Amma Ashram and Amma, she has an ashram in California. So it was a nice way for me to reconnect with Amma as well in California. And in California, he was really kind because he helped me to to actually um, start a new, yeah, start my a new chapter of life because he say, well, Amandine, you you are you cannot sleep. You are so on PTSD right now. You should stop being on front line. You are damaging yourself. You could be more helpful doing something else, maybe. I say, but I don't know what to do. He say, but what you want to do? I say, I love teaching yoga meditation. He say, well, in this case. Why not you do that? And I say, well, it's you're right. It's amazing. At Google, there is this amazing program called Search Inside Yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's on uh, yoga. I know it's on mindfulness, on emotional intelligence, on conscious leadership. And uh, I realized that, yeah, it's a bestseller program. And I say to Gopi, why not we bring back to United Nations if only I will receive all this tool, you know, I will not have in such a trauma right now, maybe I would have recognized a symptom within myself to prevent PTSD, to prevent burnout, to prevent anxiety, to prevent uh, depression. I mean, and I say, yeah, good idea. So I wrote a long letter to Ban Ki-moon, my United Nations boss, saying, this is my story. And this is a story of all my colleagues. My colleague got being raped, my colleague got, and I've been raped as well in Uzbekistan. It's mm -hmm. another story, I didn't go there, but, and, uh, within the United Nation. And so I realized that, yes, my story got kidnapped, my, 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 my colleague got kidnapped, assassi I mean, assassinated or raped, and, and, and there is not so much follow-up on their mental health. It's time to do something. And so uh, he said, to, to my surprise, Man Ki-moon replied, he said, yes, come in our office whenever you want. And so two days after I was in his office, I met uh, Susanna Malcora the head of uh, chef cabinet. And she said, indeed, it's a very good idea. Let's do something together. So I say, let's bring such inside yourself. So Cheng Magdang was very kind. He actually uh, gave me a, a scholarship to study such inside yourself for almost a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I study mindfulness, emotional intelligence, conscious leadership, neuroscience with 70 people from all around the world in San Francisco, and I really enjoy it. And United Nations sent me to Haiti for six months doing on women empowerment. And I was teaching Search Inside Yourself to my colleague, and I realized that, yes, the program is good, but it's absolutely not adopted for the humanitarian on the front line. We need more mental health. We need more exercise, such as yoga. We need uh, more stress management. So I went back to Siban Kimon and I say, we should design the inner peacekeeping program, you know, mm -hmm. a program where we give all the tools to prevent all the PTSD. He said, okay, go for it. I said, this is my budget. And say, we don't have budget. So I fundraise and I fundraise to Lululemon mm -hmm. in Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't have an organization at this time. So I gave all the money to United Nations Foundation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I asked United Nations Foundation to hire me. Mm -hmm. to uh, design uh, the program with uh, a pool of experts on curriculum, on mind mindfulness, on mental health, 
on yoga, on stress management. And we did it. We brainstormed for almost six months and we launched a pilot project in Jordan with the UNHCR, with the humanitarian working with Syrian refugees. We did the same in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. We sent a monitoring and evaluation and uh, we test the humanitarian before the program, after the program, and one month after putting into practice all the tools they learn. And indeed, it was amazing result. Less stress, better nutrition, less anxiety, better sleep, yes, and more mindfulness in their life. So United Nations approved the program and to spread the program all around the world. And I realized that I was humanitarian in my heart. And I say, why not we bring all of this to the refugees in refugee camp in order to doing the woman empowerment, but woman empowerment. So empower the woman from within, because if it works on me, it could work on refugee as well. And so I decided to create the Inner Peace Core organization to bring the Inner Peace Keeping tool to refugee camp where we transform refugee camp into healing camp and transformation camp through art therapy and help the woman to become empowered and go back into the society and their community um, completely healed and back on track. Because you know, Vinesh, when you suffer of PTSD, you are like 75% dead, which yes. means your soul is out of your body. Mm-hmm. So all these tools help you to come back inside and reconnect mind, body, and spirit to be alive again and fly again and thrive again. I spoke too much. <laughs> wow, that was like a short uh, Ian Fleming script. My goodness. It was, it, with lots of beautiful anecdotes and how you came up with all such intensive uh, experiences. Oh, that was just too uh, inspirational. And one thing that I wanted to ask you with all the story that you said, you keep telling that I'm so connected with my body. And uh, after many therapies like Ayurveda or meditation or Vipassana, you felt you were being more connected to yourself. So we all have this question inside. How can we differentiate what is an intuition and what is a monkey mind? Because intuition is also, we could disguise it as a monkey mind and sometimes we could also disguise monkey mind as an intuition. So, How do you differentiate this? Yes, it's a very, very good question. And you know what? Mm -hmm. I realize my inner voice, my intuition, my heart truth Mm -hmm. is always coming on my right here, Mm -hmm. but very soft, very wise, very calm. And my monkey mind, super loud, super, super uh, jumping always. So um, when I have to take a decision, I have to check if it's very loud or very soft. And every time I say to my intuition or my soul, could you increase the volume? Because sometimes (laughs) you are so soft that I have to follow my monkey mind because you are so soft, I I cannot hear yourself. And, um, but that's a very good point because I'm telling you, when you follow your heart truth, when you follow your intuition, that's when you are fully aligned to your soul and you are thriving. You are on your higher level of consciousness, which means higher uh, possibility of love, of peace, of joy, of bliss. So you should better take the path of your intuition rather than your ego. But that's the journey of life, literally. You know, it's what Einstein say, the longest journey is from the head to the heart. And you should not empower the servant, which is the, the head. You should empower the heart who is the master because the head is the servant of the master mm. so in life definitely you can put your head you put you can put your hands on your heart and ask the question the answer should come from your heart and not from your head because the answer comes from a master and not from the servant oh that's such a beautiful insight that intuition is like a very whispering voice from in, inside and the monkey mind is super loud that you don't get any chance to come out of it. Yes, yes. And that's why and it's very difficult to tame because when mm-hmm. the monkey mind is out of the box, you can try everything. It can drive you crazy. So I have to find a banana mm-hmm. 
make a piece with my monkey mind, put back into the cage and say everything will be fine. Eat your banana, give me some peace of mind, please. And I can finally hear what my inner voice and my soul has to tell me, to guide me. I think that banana is uh, meditation and mindfulness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I see a lot of patients with PTSD and also with depression. And today's condition with this coronavirus pandemic, I'm sure there are a lot of people um, having sort a depressive or anxiety attacks that coming and going with a lot of uncertainties. And one thing that I see common with people under PTSD or just with depression is they lo lost their hope for life. And that is what you said, 75% of their life is gone. In such situations, I mean, what are the little steps we can give them to, you know, come back to gain back and reconnect to their inner life? That's a very good question. I can share with you a small story. Do I have time? Yes, 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 for sure. I mean, your story okay. is just fantastic. I mean, uh, what we have to read for 500 pages, we got it in less than one hour. <laughs> and so um, I, I remember about this. Um, yeah, I'm not going to give her a name, but mm -hmm. uh, we can call it Rana. Yeah, Rana. Mm -hmm. But um, she she actually was in Afghanistan and she was celebrating the birthday of her husband mm -hmm. when uh, the Taliban, in a beautiful restaurant close by the lake, when the Taliban disguised in burqa come, mm -hmm. inside, the, come inside the restaurant and uh, assassinate her husband in front of her eyes. And not only assassinate her husband, but the bullet that, that was used to assassinate her husband in the head uh, went out of the head of her husband and, and, and literally end up in her uh, high bra. Wow. And so she was bleeding, bleeding a lot and, 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 and she pretended to be death and she used her own blood to put blood to her three daughter, pretending they were dead for 12 hours. Mm -hmm. And when I finally, and, and she, she survived from, of course, this attack, Taliban attack. But what I want to say, she didn't eat and sleep for 42 days. Mm -hmm. And when her aunt heard about me, she asked me if I could help her with meditation. So she, when she came in my house, I was facing a dead body. Mm -hmm. There was literally no hope, mm -hmm. nobody inside the body, mm -hmm. like empty body. I don't know where she went, but she was not inside. And so, of course, it was a real, real PTSD case. And that's to answer your question, Vinesh, what to do when you don't have any hope. So I say you do the five non-negotiable, which I use every single day in my life, mm -hmm. which means sleeping mm -hmm. enough, eating enough, and, and good nutrition, not junky food, mm -hmm. because otherwise it's very low-frequency food and doesn't help you. Nutrition is a medication, so it's like, I'm not going to teach you that, but yeah, definitely vegan if possible. And, and, and drink, yeah, drink water, of mm -hmm. course, like be enough hydration. And do any single practice of introspection, like meditation or journaling, mm -hmm. and do a physical activity. It could be dancing, it could be yoga, it could be Qigong, whatever, something that makes your body move. It could be running, swimming, like where you feel like you, 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 you have your feet on the ground, you know, and you are still on earth. Hmm. And that's my five non-negotiable. So when I was facing her, I told her, okay, sit on the bench, under the tree and close your eyes. I'm going to guide you on a mindfulness meditation. And she said, I cannot close my eyes because every single time I close my eyes, I'm back to the restaurant under the attack. Mm -hmm. So I say, instead of closing your eyes, you're going to look in front of you. What do you see? Mm -hmm. She said, I see a tree. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you hear? She said, I hear the birds mm -hmm. singing in the tree. And, and, and I make sure that her feet, she was barefoot. I say, what do you feel under your feet? She said, I felt the grass, wet grass. Okay. And I did a lot of breathing exercise, like you inhale the peace, the joy, the harmony, and you excel the attack, you excel the Taliban, you excel the murder, you excel the pain, the suffering, and you inhale here and now, like we did all afternoon like that. Guess what? The day after she called me, she said, after 42 days, first time I'm sleeping, first time 
I'm eating. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the technique managed to bring her back here and now. She was not stuck in the past. And the problem with PTSD, we have a lot of flashback. We are so under shock by the scene we witness. That's the reason why we, are, we cannot go back here and now. We are stuck in the past. And I realized, Vinesh, mm -hmm. that I have to go through so much pain and suffering, like all this kidnapping, assassination, and detention, and death rate, and rape, and everything, because I have to experiment on my own all what this woman were suffering, were going through, as a rite of passage for me to have access to all the tools to reconnect mind, body, and spirit, which means have access to hypnosis, Ericsson hypnosis, mm -hmm. yoga, meditation, Ayurveda, EMDR, EFT, Qigong, Reiki, Tai Chi, I mean, you name it. I try even plant medicine. I try everything to come back here and now, which was not an easy journey. It's literally a, a journey from hell to the light. It's not, it's like you need to, to, to be courageous to take these paths. But I realized now I found all the tools to heal. That's my mission to give back all these tools to all the women who are still in hell of PTSD and stuck in the past because at least that's my journey. I came back to the beginning in the sense that I have to go through all of this in order for me to have a meanings in my life and to give a sense of my life, which is my mission to put back the woman on this planet on their throne of divine feminine, because the women on this planet have been abused, exploded and raped by men as much as mother Gaia have been abused, exploded and raped by humankind. And by healing the woman on this planet, that's my way of healing Gaia because we rebalance the yin and the yang, which means we manage to actually give back um, all the beautiful feminine quality of compassion, of harmony, of uh, love, of caring to earth. Because now there is a disbalance. It's like the Native American are saying, there is this birds of humankind and the birds of humankind have two wings one is female one is male and unfortunately the birds of humankind is flying only on the male wings and the female wings is too weak and in order to avoid the the birds of humankind to fly in cycle we need to strengthen the female wing and give more power in order for the flight of human the, the birds of humankind to be balanced and to fly high and 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 to bring peace on earth that's so true we need to bring back that compassion and love and that heartful way of looking at life that is what we are missing today actually Exactly. And I believe that this coronavirus it came at the right time to teach us this, to bring him back to our bedroom and meditate on what we are doing in life that is not aligned to this future new earth. And um, how can we can incarnate peace, love, joy, harmony, bliss within ourselves in order to bring that into the world and not the other way around. Gandhi say, be the change you want to see. So be love, be joy, be peace, be peace. And by doing so, you will inspire others to do the same. Well, your, your story sounds like a feminine version of Nelson Mandela to one extent where he was put under the jail for such a long time and he says he forgives them whoever kept him under captive and he doesn't want to keep that anger or frustration or hurt inside him because that is not helping him and the story you know like you whatever experiences that you went through it actually empowered you to be a healer to all these women who came to you with no hope 
it's like the connecting the dots backwards and i think whoever went through this depression or ptsd if they hear your story they would say that if that is a possibility and if a person who went through such intensive stuff and if she could recover i'm sure i can also recover i think your story is one of the greatest hope hopeful stories we could tell to many people with ptsd so you one thing that i would like to ask when it comes to meditation and mindfulness if there is something that we could practice every day for a few minutes something that is easy would you recommend something oh yes of course you know even when um in refugee camp for instance when they say oh no i cannot meditate like i say i cannot close my eyes just the simple fact that you breathe and you become aware of your breathing Mm-hmm. The breath is what brings you back here and now, mm. because otherwise we breathe unconsciously. Mm. But the fact that you pay attention to your nose is what going at it in Vipassana. When you feel the air going through your nostril, the mm. right nostril, the left nostril. If you really focus only on your nose, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, you're already back here and now, because there is no past, no future. It's only me with you right now focusing on the inhale and exhale. And this is mindfulness. This is beginning of meditation because that's a pathway to your soul. That's a pathway to be in connection with the divine, pathway to reconnect with who you are and pathway to come back and be grounded again and anchor and center on earth. And so, yeah, the tool I can give is like five deep breath exercise where you inhale and you, you inhale literally with your abdomen, huh? uh, not on the lungs, mm-hmm. but you go deep. You, yeah, then you can put your hands on your stomach and you make sure when you inhale, you do like a big balloon with your stomach. Mm-hmm. And when you exhale, you let go. You push it back. And I'm telling you, if you make sure that your feet are well grounding on the floor and you visualize having big, long roots going down the soil, going down, down, down the center of the planet. And you find a ring inside where you can attach or yeah, put uh, your, your, your roots and come back with the roots on the soil and come back inside your feet and you knock them on your knees, you will be very grounded. And no matter what happened during your day, you will not fall down because you will be grounded anchor on earth. And, uh, and after you visualize that um, the fire energy from uh, earth is going through your spine, waking up your Kundalini, cleansing all your chakra, Muladhara chakra, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, Anahata in the heart, Ajna chakra, and, uh, and uh, Sarasvata chakra. I mean, like the crown, the crown chakra, the energy goes up the sky and you allow all the beautiful light from the cosmos and the sky going from your crown chakra and blessing you and you see that your arms are becoming a branch and you become a tree and like that it's a good way to start you 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 healing actually from the trauma because at least you are grounded here and now mm-hmm. and uh, the past doesn't exist anymore the future is not here yet what only count is here and now, the present moment. Because the best promise you can give to the future is to give to everything to here and now. Because that's the way you create your own future. That's interesting. I would like to comment on that. You say that most of us breathe unconsciously. And if you study the, uh, the neurology, they say that every activity that we do in our body is either conscious like they call it voluntary or involuntary like our heartbeat is something that happens unconsciously like the blood circulation we don't have to worry about it but breathing is the only activity that you can be conscious about it at the same time whether you're conscious or not the involuntary part of the body a nervous system will take care of it and what it says is the more conscious you are about your breathing the more you are able to connect with your inner self so it's quite interesting that you mentioned that Yes, and also, is the key. Yes, 
And, and you're talking about the past. There is nothing we need to worry about it. But at the same time, future is not here. And that's why in, uh, in Sanskrit, the word for happiness is called a santosha. And the word santosha has two sounds, you know, san and tosha, which actually means, some means complete and tosha means surrender to this moment. And happiness is complete surrendering to this moment. And that's a beautiful thing that you're saying. And uh, one thing that I would like to say before I finish, uh, you're saying that there is a lot of pain and trauma. In Ayurveda, the word for pain is called as ruk. It actually means a block in the flow of energy. And it's also saying pain is the way the body is communicating to your consciousness, come back to your body. The more you are going away from your body, pain is the way the body is communicating to us and screaming and shouting at you, it's time to come back. It's come back to your natural root self. Mm-hmm. The more we suppress it, it's just going to increase its amperage. <laughs> yes, it's true. Don't repress. Welcome exactly. it. Because let me tell you something. Yes. If you, if you repress, it's like a, a bomb. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like a, a retardement. I don't know how you say that in English, but it's like a timing bomb, you know? Yes. And, and it's like uh, every time you have an emotion, mm. let's say anger, if you repress your anger and you don't address the anger, it's a timing bomb and rage is coming. If you don't welcome the rage, you repress it, it's a timing bomb. And, 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 and hatred, if you don't welcome the hatred, the timing bomb and one day all of this bomb will wake up and bomb explode mm-hmm. within your system that's create disease and um, that's the reason why i love so much the poem of rumi mm-hmm. who is the one talking about the case styles every mm-hmm. time there's an emotion knocking at your door open the door and have a piece of cake or, and a cup of tea and discuss with your emotion to see what's going on. Like your neighbor knocked to your door, you welcome your neighbor. Mm. You don't say, I don't want to talk to you. Don't, don't, don't come to me, you know? You mm. are hospitable and you welcome the emotion because the, me- the emotion has a beautiful message to deliver to you. Mm-hmm. You ask the emotion, when did I created you? What mm. happened? Mm-hmm. Oh, when I was six, something happened. And, you know, otherwise you amplify, you give power to the emotion. Mm. And the emotion take the lead in your life. Where at the end, you are master and creator on your own life. Mm-hmm. But if you don't address emotion, you let the emotion take the lead and you are unconscious. That, that's why there's a saying, don't kill the messenger just because you don't like the message. So emotions, exactly. are, emotions are like a messenger giving you some beautiful insight. It's like a gold mine telling you where you need to heal, where you need to recover from some of the wounds. So it's a beautiful way to connect with your inner self. Wow. That was uh, an entertainment, adventure, enlightenment, healing, wisdom, all put together in this one hour. Mm-hmm. It's I'm my pleasure, Kantaram. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Amandine. And it was really a really insightful message and wisdom that you share. And it's not just something that we read from books, it is a real life story. If you could change, I'm sure anyone can change. The story that you mentioned, I think it empowers all the women and also the men. You know, like every woman has a masculine and every man has a feminine. I think we all need to balance these two energies in all of us so that the world has both the wings to fly. You know, Vinesh, uh, Elamaya used to say, mm-hmm. everybody should take his pilgrim wooden stick mm-hmm. and go and discover themselves. Mm. So this is what I wish you, and I, and I know you're doing it already, and I wish everybody listening to us to do the same because it's the most incredible, rewarding journey ever to go with him. That is definitely what we are going, and that is where the world is going right now. I think this quarantine, this lockdown, it's all about going inwards. That is the message that is teaching us. Exactly, exactly. And there is so much to discover inside. 
all the peace and harmony is not outside, it's inside. But you need to do like the diver mm -hmm. to, to take <laughs> your tuba and your mask and, and you, you dive. And actually it's true, you know, when a, a scuba diver go deep, 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 they can mm -hmm. reach a level of narcosis. Mm -hmm. Narcosis is like they are so at bliss that they don't want to come back. And, and so many of them want to stay in, or stay, stay in the deep, uh, uh, yeah, under the ocean because they found the level of narcosis. Yes. So like I that. wish all of you to reach narcosis, but come back <laughs> on the surface. Like some people, when they come to India and meditate, they don't want to go back. <laughs> Not exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much, Amandin. It was really uh, insightful interview with you and i'm so it's my pleasure my podcast and thank you all listeners i hope you enjoyed this show and please do subscribe and please do write in a good review if you like it and do share with your friends thank you so much thank you Vinay. namaste, namaste.